Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Karen B. Johnson on the show. Karen is a graduate of Georgetown Law Center and a former Fulbright Scholar in Afghanistan and holds master's degrees in public health and public international affairs. Karen is a retired administrative law judge who practiced criminal and energy law for more than 30 years. She is also a former Army officer, major USAR, inactive. Karen was personally trained by Alberto Viodo yeah. and is the faculty at Four Winds Society and a master practitioner of energy medicine. She is trained extensively in the teachings of illumination, soul retriever, extractions of energy and entities, divination, and death rites. Living Grieving, Using Energy Medicine to Alchemize Grief and Loss is her first book out now, and it is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's get started uh, by talking a bit about what your journey has been, because it's a very powerful it's, it's an exceptionally powerful journey to this work. Yeah. So I really didn't have a spiritual background. I wasn't one of those people that was a big church person or a spiritual person at all. I was pretty much left brain living my living life in Washington, DC as a federal judge and with two kids. And, um, and then my 27 year old son, uh, passed over from a heroin overdose. And so sometimes death is a doorway into spiritual life mm -hmm. and it was for me and I really think Ben was there to help me on that path because when he passed I was in South Korea on a vacation just a nightmare situation and got a call from a detective and I just knew something was wrong that whole afternoon I was feeling sick I wasn't feeling well and and then he called and I didn't recognize the number so uh, I didn't get there in time, but I called the person back, which I don't normally do, you know, when you don't know the number, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. let's see if they leave, leave a voicemail, right? And, and it picked up, it was a detective. And I said, what's going on? It's about your son. What's going on, right? And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm in South Korea. What's going on, right? And he said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but he's passed. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he overdosed from heroin. And he's gone. And, you know, this is the call that you never want to get. And you oh. never really recover from, I don't think, the shock of it. Mm -hmm. So night is day there, day is night in South Korea. The time difference, I couldn't even get in a plane for 12, 14 hours. And I didn't get home for 24 hours. So it was just this really long process of calling everybody. And then I got to the airport finally. And... um he came to me just like he was in life. This big, he's six, eight, big, happy grin. Oh my gosh. Right. Happy guy with his big old grin. And then he kind of faded away. And I called my ex-husband. I said, you got to call to the Emmy. I think he's alive. I think he's alive. He's in the freezer and he's trying to get out. You got to, I'm hysterical. Mm -hmm. I, as only, Understandably so. Yeah, hysterical. So, um, yeah, so, um, the, they were very nice at the Emmy's office. They went and looked and they said, I'm sorry, but he's gone. And then that began a process of me feeling him and sensing him around me. I couldn't hear what he was saying. You know, all the Claire's, Claire audience, Claire sentient, all these different Claire's, uh, clairvoyant. 
So I could sense him and see him, but I couldn't hear him. And so three weeks later, I did what I would never imagine have done in my left brain world was to look on uh, Google and Mr. Google for um, um, mediums mm -hmm. around me in in Virginia, in Fairfax County. Fairfax County is one of the wealthiest counties or the most educated counties in the United States. And so I didn't come across anybody that was particularly spiritual, religious, so lots of well-educated people. We certainly didn't talk about those kind of matters. And to my surprise, a whole list of people popped up. And so I didn't know which to pick, but all of a sudden one woman's picture was bigger than the other. And so I thought, well, I'll choose that one. Hmm. And, you know, after a while, this is the way spirit communicates me with me. Uh, whenever I'm looking for something, one picture will be bigger. And then I went back a week later to this website and her picture was the same size as everybody else's. Wow. Yeah. So that was sort of the beginning of a journey. And I went to the woman's house and I said, he's right there. He flew in right behind your husband and he's standing right there. See how the candle's flickering? He's putting his hand over the candle to let you know he's there. What's he saying? And so we had a wonderful <coughs> session and um, everything she told me was just sounded like him. Like it is what it is, mom. Um, you know, it was a big mistake. I should never have done that. They went to a party and got drunk. And then they somewhat had a bright idea of trying heroin. So he wasn't an addict. He was just went to a party. Right. But anyway, so I said, he's right there. And, um, and so wonderful session. And then afterwards, she said to me, you know, you might have some skills yourself. Because most people have no idea there are deceased loved ones in the room, let alone you can see them and he's standing there and he's waving his hand. So maybe that's something you want to work with. And of course I did because I only wanted to talk to him. Right. I yeah. Right. Over and over and over again. And so it just led me on this really long path of going to the spiritual centers. So I Kabbalah, um, the spirit paintings, um, mediumship, anything like crystals, all kind of things to try to hone my instincts so that I could communicate more with him. Of course, a side effect was that then I started commuting with lots of people on the other side who passed and they would show up. So, you know, they would show up in my bedroom. And then one day I said, okay, every, all, everybody out of my bedroom. And they left. And I said, huh. And then I went out in the hallway and down the thing. I said, okay, everybody out of my house. Mm -hmm. They're out of my house. So, but that's sort of a little side thing that I do is help, help spirits to cross over. Because there are a lot of spirits that kind of, Need a little help, especially ones that maybe um, committed suicide or had an accident or something else that was very abrupt kind of death that they need a little help crossing over. So with with this, when this happened to you, you know, I I hear from a lot of people who want this to happen to them, right? They've lost their loved one. They can't see them. They can't experience them. They don't feel them. Is there something that you would do to encourage people to open up so that they can start to have these experiences? I mean, him coming to you, I had a similar experience, which is why I'm on this path as well. Spontaneously, it feels to me like a lottery win when you lose someone versus, well, some people it might scare, but versus like those people who desperately want to connect but can't. I don't know why it happens so spontaneously for some people and not for others. I mean, I think we all end up screaming, give him back, give him back, I want him back. 
you know, and, and try to bargain with God, the universe, whatever you believe is out there. And, um, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for our senses to open up. And we've been very left brain all our lives and people telling us, oh, there's nothing there. And it's your imagination and, and don't believe that. And even in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, there's a special little place for people that are grieving too hard, right? So mm -hmm. we them. So, you know, I think it's getting over that hurdle of disbelieving and allowing yourself to tune into your intuition. And most of us have our intuitions been cut down, shut off, because over the years, we've been told oh, just the facts, only the facts. Don't believe that. Don't rely on your intuition. And so seeing, hearing all that is really intuitive. It's mm -hmm. allowing that sixth, seventh sense to awaken that we all have, but that we've kind of kept very small. So I always work with people saying, imagine telling your left brain, thank you for all you've done, but I want to play with my right brain. Right brain is creativity and uh, clairvoyance and clairaudience and all the clairs and all imagination. And so when people tell me, I'm, am I imagining things? I say, yes. And that's fantastic mm -hmm. because imagination is where we get in touch with other realms. Imagination is where we see the unseeable. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a process. And some people, it just takes a little while because they're of their conditioning. Well, and the way that you are sounding now is not how you felt throughout a lot of the book, which oh, was no. pretty oh. desperate and not wanting to live. Right. How did you go from that to where you are now? What did that process look like in terms of your own self-discovery and where you are sitting in your, for people who are not watching, you are in a room, the background is tapestries and many sort of indigenous, it looks like instruments and tools to help. You were federal administrative law clerk. Judge. So Judge, judge, I apologize, judge. So you were not a indigenous healing practitioner? No, not even a little, <laughs> not even a little. So for me, you know, I was really in bad shape. So I would lay on the steps and scream and I would scream until I threw up and I would throw up until I threw up blood. And I eventually, I mean, I had to have the carpet replaced on the stairs. I mean, it was bad. I was really in bad shape. And my daughter and her uh, boyfriend stayed with me for a while, a few weeks, and then she um, had gotten, she's an engineer, an opportunity in Guatemala to fix um, um, broken hospital equipment. And, and I told her, go, go, go. And while she was gone, the heat wasn't working. So I had someone come in. He said, oh, there's CO2 being released. You can't even stay in this house. You need to go. This has to be replaced immediately. And so I said, oh, thank you. And my little brain said, what an opportunity. So I, instead of getting it repaired, just went to sleep every night and thinking I wasn't going to wake up in the morning. And in my adult mind, I was thinking, it's okay, because my daughter, it's not like taking my life. My daughter will say it's an accident. And so she won't feel like she was unloved or she wasn't worth living for. These are crazy thoughts that go on, right? They just do. Mm -hmm. And um, so but every way morning I'd wake up, well, bait and switch here. I can't even get, I can't even die. Right. And I think it's just this process of such desperation and it's a journey. We all have our own journey. And 
I was fortunate enough that I, I'm an only child of an only child. I didn't have a lot of brothers and sisters and people trying to tell me how to do it or what to do or shake me out of it or whatever. So I was pretty much able to go inside and go on my own journey. And it just was fortunate that I didn't manage to die and I managed to live. And so as I managed to live, I kept taking classes, spiritual classes to kind of talk to Ben and I felt him around me. So I, I wasn't completely isolated and cut off. And, um, and then finally someone referred me to an evolutionary astrologer and he mm -hmm. said, another woman like me had a, um, went from Uranus, which is shame, blame, guilt to Neptune, which is a mystical path. And I'm like, a mystical path, what is that? And he said, well, I can tell you as a woman that had a reading like yours became a shaman. And I said, a shaman, you mean there's shamans in this day and age? And sure enough, you know, I found, I Googled it because what does anybody with the left brain do? They Google things. Right. Right. And so um, the four winds came up and three weeks later, I found myself on a plane to California, Joshua Tree, California thinking I'm not going to fit in. I'm going to be too old and too conservative and too this and too that. But if I don't like it, I'll just leave. I'll go to Palm Springs and get a nice massage. <laughs> and, and of course, when I got there, it was fantastic. It was amazing opportunity, amazing healing experience. And, um, and so that's, you know, the South direction. So my book is really based on the medicine wheel. And there's four practices there's four directions and four practices associated with each direction so 16 ways for us to kind of go from being stuck in our grief to finally being at this place of rebirth and creating a new life out of the ashes of the old one that honors our loved ones and that's kind of it right we want to honor them what is a medicine wheel yeah so the four winds medicine wheel is based on um andean um, mythology. And so it starts in the South direction. There's many medicine wheels all over the world. And so in North America, it's based on the North star. And so it starts in the East in the um, Southern hemisphere. It's based on the Southern cross and the Southern cross. So we start in the South direction. So based on constellations. It's based on constellations and it's okay. also based on the concept of a circle, you know, a circle is unity. A circle can be a spiral the medicine wheel is also a circle. It's also a spiral. And so we go from the south to the west, to the north, to the east in the Andean mythology. And each one has practices associated with it that really, I think many religious people have heard of, um, like non-suffering, non-attachment, non-engagement. I mean, these are not anything, the beauty way, walking in beauty. What does that mean? Right. So each each direction has practices associated with it and also a concept of sitting in ceremony. So a lot of books are going to talk about what you need to do. You need to go on a date or you need to go out to a movie or you need to do this. These are all things in the physical realm. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, I'm not ready for that. I can't handle that. I don't want to do that. And I totally get that. I couldn't either. So what we want to do, I have people sitting in ceremony, sitting in quiet with um, a book and pen and paper and a candle and a pie plate under it because we're going to be burning some things. And this way you're getting into ceremony. And we understand ceremony when we walk into a temple or we walk into a church or we walk in and there's candles. Ah, we get that feeling 
of these sacred places. We get the feeling of the divine. We get the feeling of expansiveness. And if we're not even a member of that particular religion, we might go up and light a candle. With the concept that we are sending our prayers or following the smoke to wherever they need to go, whatever your concept is um, of the universe, God, the collective consciousness, whatever it is for you, it's, it's okay. And so this is kind of mirroring that experience of divine of accessing the divine and we're also moving our brains up from our reptilian brain the day of our day-to-day brain fear fighting all those kind of things up to our ceremonial brain our neocortex and the level of the neocortex our god brain we can move things like a feather blowing in the wind instead of trying to drag ourselves along in the physical realm So my book is really having people, it's like a precursor to the other books, maybe. It's a precursor in the sense that once you find out in a very ceremonial way from your neocortex, from that level, where you're stuck and how you can become lighter and how you can actually be reborn, um, then you're ready to step into the physical realm then you're ready to change things around and you're ready to look at things, but you, everybody's stuck mm-hmm. somewhere else. Shame, blame, guilt, mm-hmm. triangle, trifecta. And we get stuck in there. You know, people ruminate over and over and over again about the stories. I should have done right. this. I should have done this. I could have done that. I should have stopped this. I should have known. Oh, I should have taken them there. I should, <clears throat> because event, you know, we, our egos tell us that we're in control. Right. If if only we had done something different, they would have been different, which isn't really true. It's not really real and it's not really true. But having the opportunity to write down all those things that are going rapidly around your head, it kind of takes them out. And then you give them over with your intention, intention to release it and open your heart to other ways of perception, of being, of thinking. So this notion you talk about transformation resurrection and rebirth so there's these three pieces of it sounds like of one's movement transition yeah and then within that is the the medicine wheel like the the medicine wheel helps you sort of move through these transitions it's an overlay it's an overlay so you have the medicine wheel structure and overlaid on top of that like a fulcrum sort of thing ours is this journey journey of the bereaved and so we're familiar with um many people are familiar with the hero's journey um carl jung Mm -hmm. and so but this is our own special journey it's the journey of the bereaved and the bereaved we take the same journey as our loved ones take and many cultures talk about transition you know of the dead from their body to the spiritual realm resurrection waking up on the other side Ooh. Whoa, whoa, I'm somewhere different, right? <laughs> rebirth, being reborn. And so that's the same journey that we take um, as the bereaved. And my book is really aimed at the bereaved and how we might take a journey that's our own journey that's going to take as long as it takes. You know, no people telling us, okay, it's time to move on. It's, I don't know. Right. It's been a year. It's been Get a year. With yeah, a year. That's, it's been a month. 
It's, you know, in our click society, fast, 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 everything is a soundbite. Everything is like, well, why is she still talking about that? You know? <clears throat> well, and I, I really appreciate this, this transformation, resurrection, rebirth feels so much more, you know, most people, if you're, if you've listened to my podcast for a while, you know this, cause I've said this before, but they think that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief are stages for the breathing that was originally for yeah. those who she was watching die and the stages they went through. Yeah. This feels really resonant in resonance in terms of how we could think of our grief. And if we thought of it this way, yes. my God, what that could really do to open people up. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm in the transformation stage. I'm working on my stuckness. Oh, I'm starting to awaken to potentially this new life. And then I'm going to create that new life. Because I think people think like, when am I going to get back to how I was before or the old way of being as if that's even possible? Right. You know, ever. We don't, we don't expect as a new mom, I certainly didn't, that I was some way going to get back to my old life before having a child. Right. It's just not possible. So how could you go on after losing someone to go back to an old life? You know, we recognize in our culture, the transformational nature of parenthood, um, marriage. We, we celebrate them because they're associated with joy and happiness. The transformational energy of grief. Oh, we don't want to touch that because we associate it with sadness and despair and hopelessness. And we don't like that. And so the same thing with people who are divorced, you know, they, sometimes we become pariah. We become isolated and alone because we know we make people feel uncomfortable with our grief. Mm -hmm. And so then we start saying, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And yet we we're stuck. We're heavy. This energy is so heavy. People tell me all the time that, you know, this is so heavy. I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to begin to move this right it's like this elephant what elephant this elephant that's sitting in our heart that we're supposed to somehow magically shift and and get back to being joyous and happy and and that can happen but it's going to happen in your own time and in your own way and can you take us through a few of practices in the different directions so in the south I'm, I'll go through them, but then I'll ask specifically. Sure. So you have the non-judgment, non-suffering, non-attachment, and then the beauty way. Yeah. Can you tell us about the beauty way? Oh yeah. The beauty way. I love this one. And I often tell my clients to get a piece of paper and write practice beauty on it and put it on your refrigerator. And every day do one thing that makes you happy, that brings joy into your life. Because when we're stuck in grief or we're stuck in caregiving or our children are in um, addiction and we're in fear every day, we forget about all the things that bring us joy. And so we're digging our neural networks deeper and deeper and deeper about sadness and despair and hopelessness. So practicing beauty is a way of also starting to build hope into our neural networks to allow our brains to kind of focus on something other than the darkness that we see. So just one thing, even if it's buying a flower, mm -hmm. having a chocolate, watching a sunset, you know, doesn't have to be anything large. It's just that commitment, one small thing every day. So that's the South direction. And you said you always start in the South direction, just given kind yep. of the training that you've done. Yeah. Um, then the West direction is non-doing, non-engagement, certainty, and fearlessness. 
So let's talk about certainty here certainty. and what that looks like. Yeah. So certainty it's once you are on this path of the journey is not to second guess yourself do you know don't wobble zen master says um, if you're going to stand stand if you're going to sit sit but don't wobble i liked i liked that I, quote in the you know, book yeah. wobble, wobble wobble like should i do this shouldn't i do this is this right is this wrong is it whatever just let that be just be on your journey don't let anybody talk you out of it or talk you into anything this is your precious journey and nobody has the right to interfere and so even take that to the fire, right? Take that all and release it mm -hmm. and open your heart to other ways. Open your heart to receiving. Mm -hmm. This notion of like, it couldn't be my loved one coming to me. Why not? Right. You know, I think people are like, well, I need to know that that is exactly what it is. Like Never left brain. that's our egos. And, you know, sometimes I like to tell people, you know, your ego, if you imagine it, a friend of mine wrote a book about this and it's like the fear box. You know, it's like our fear box. Oh, it's not right. That's not it. You need the proof. It's just your imagination, blah, 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 blah. But if we just say, thank you, left brain. Thank you, ego. But I just want to explore. I want to imagine. I want to allow. I want to perceive a little differently today. Right? So sometimes we, we have to give ourselves permission. Mm-hmm to see things a little differently and explore a little differently. And certainly the world around us doesn't help us, right? And sometimes our families don't help us mm -hmm. and our culture doesn't help us and the our religious structure doesn't help us. And, oh, you know, it just, sometimes we just need to allow ourselves to be away from all that. Sometimes we have to release what culture and society and family and everybody tells us because that's just like a lot of noise in the background. And when we get rid of that noise, ah, then we can hear and see and sense other things. And then the North is mm -hmm. the beginner's mind, living consequently, invisibility and integrity. So do you have a favorite from this? I mean, they're all so, each, each one is so important and interesting in their own right. Yeah, so, well, let's say living consequently. I love living consequently because what if we lived as if every word we spoke and every thought we thought was important, that it rippled somehow out into the universe? What if we just could just say, okay, I see that, but I'm letting that go. I'm just going to not be with that right now. Because I know that everything that I think and feel and believe is ripples everywhere. It affects everybody around me. It affects my children and my grandchildren and my friends and family. And so I'm going to live consequently. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to be on this path, living consequently, believing like everything I do has meaning and purpose instead of, I think a lot of us feel like nothing we do affects anything, right? Because we feel like this world is so big. There's so much negative going on. It's so much happening. How could we influence anything? So if we can turn that, right? We change our perception. We change our lives. What if everything we think and do affects everything? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yes. And what a beautiful way to exist, right? Is that 
each choice you make. And I think that this can be really difficult for people in the day-to-day life. Yeah. And I'm finding myself as I'm talking to you kind of wondering how different are you now? We still have one more direction to get to from the person that you were before. Like, are you recognizable to that person? In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. So I've incorporated when I first became, became a spiritual person on this path. I wanted to push away lawyer and law and judge and all that. I want anything to do with that. And then at some point, it kind of interwove. So I was able to take the best of my past and interweave it with the spiritual thing. So it allowed me to write a book and to write a mm. book. Actually, I won the grand prize with Hay House. I won a $10,000 grand prize. You know, the book has won a lot of awards and including the Nautilus Award and so many things. But that's because I was able to access the best of my past and and combine it with my spiritual so that I could actually do something like this. You know, so I I think in the book was really downloaded. Sometimes I look at places in the book and I think, wow, I don't even remember writing that. It Mm -hmm. just given to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so the East direction, no mind, mastery of time, owning your projections, indigenous alchemy. So I'd like to talk about no mind and indigenous alchemy. Sure. Yeah. So in the North, we talk about beginner's mind. That's not everything, not been there, done that. And then in the East, by the time we get to the East, it's no mind. Like we're able to release all that chatter, chatter, chatter of our mind and be able to be in stillness so that we can actually experience that divinity within us. So the Buddhists say, namaste, I see the light within you, mm-hmm. right? And so we know that we're just not these creatures of this physical world, that we have a spiritual, a transcendent element to us. And that's the part of us that we want to get in touch with. That's the part of us that we want to guide us. And then the indigenous alchemy piece. Yeah, I love that one. So I wondered what that meant too. And I had to look it up in the dictionary. So indigenous, I looked up, means native or inherent. And alchemy means transformation. Mm -hmm. So what if we as humans, I asked myself, what if we're wired for transformation? What if we have this inherent nature that looks for transformation and change? And by keeping ourselves stuck, we're actually holding in a lot of negative energy that begins to affect our bodies. So in my work, my shamanic work, when people come to me with autoimmune disease, cancers, all sorts of illnesses, if I go back far enough, I almost always found find unresolved grief or loss. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people have suffered multiple losses, new grief, old grief, all kinds of grief, things they have not grieved. And so having that opportunity to touch into that grief and really work with that if we can release them, can help us to feel much better. So how long has it been since Ben died? November 2nd, 2014. So his um, eighth anniversary is coming up. How much do you still sense him around you? Do you find him to be around as much as he was in the beginning? Has that faded? It has definitely faded because he's busy on the other side. As he let me know one time, he said, mom, quit ringing my doorbell. You know, I'm doing things over here. You know, he said, I'm in the Jesus pod. We weren't particularly, and he said, it's not anything like this, this religious. This guy's really cool. And I'd go to other pods too. So, you know, only call when you need me. 
And I'm really fortunate because I do work helping souls to transition to the other side. Um, pe- souls that get stuck, maybe suicides and, you know, people that are just, some, they've been sold this a concept that there's hell. And if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. So they'd rather be mm-hmm. stuck. Right. And so he helps me say, hey, man, or hey, hey, um, there's more on the other side. I'll take you there. There's no hell. I, you know, I can show you the way. And so he does a lot of that work with me. So I'm really lucky in that way that he is still around and we have this work work relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm, he's doing his thing. And so what better thing could a parent want than to know their child is really happy? Ben is much happier on the other side than he ever was here. And he has a whole life on the other side that makes him happy. And what if we're kind of holding their kite string a little bit? What if our grieving, what if making this journey and getting to this place of rebirth frees them to do more things on the other side instead of being kind of fluttering around us, being worried and and fearful and not, you know, upset that we're not doing well. What if we could give them that gift? What has he told you? What else has he shared with you about what he's doing over there? Because those pods sound interesting to me. Yeah, pods are very, very interesting. Like those little learning communities? What's a pod? It's like a pod. It's, you know, he describes it as there's a a group of young people that passed, crossed over about the same time he did. And they're connected as well, as well as there's a group of people that he's been with, with very, through many lifetimes. And, and they do things in the beginning that seemed like all they wanted to do was travel. They traveled all around the world and they'd stop here and they'd stop there. And they'd look at all the things, all the places they couldn't go in life. Right. But Um, so they're, they're, they're still on the earthly plane. No, they're not on the earthly plane. They're in the spiritual plane, but they can visit. You know, I always tell people, you know, people say, if they've crossed over, how can they be here? And I say, well, it's not prison. So they go back and forth between that realm, heaven, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to talk about, and whatever you want to call it, and, and, and this realm. So they can be in this realm and go visit and travel around and see things as spirits in their spiritual form. Does he say like how many souls are in his spiritual pod? I asked him that. I got the idea that there were 11. Hmm. 11 beings that he seems to share things with all the time. Have you ever been in contact with any of the other 11? Well, in the beginning, I used to sense them coming, you know, and they were, and and then I rejected and I said, everybody's got to leave, right? But then I kind of figured out that these were people that, um, you know, some of them were not souls that were stuck, but those were souls that were with him and that came to visit. Mm. And then sometimes they'll come to anybody who is has some sort of medium ability because they would love to have you contact their family and work with them. And sometimes I do that too. Um, I do some mediumship work, but usually in the context of helping that spirit to move on to where they need to go if they haven't already moved on. Right. And so, yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of became, it's the term as a psychopomp. I don't know if you've heard that one. What is the term? No. Psychopomps. So psychopomps are um, beings that can go between realms. So I just leave this realm and I go in in the middle and I help souls to transition over to the other side. And so that's one of the skills that opened up for me over time. I don't even think about it. 
I just open sacred space and set my intention and I'm just there. I'm not here anymore. I'm there. And I'm talking to this spirit and talking to their ancestors and talking to Ben and devising a plan and saying, hey, there's the light. There's the opening. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to go. It's okay. And he's saying, come on with me. I'll show you the ropes. And I help them to go to the light. And so you might ask, have I tried to go through there, the portal? Oh, yes. Yes. And I keep getting pulled back and told it's not my time. Wow. Well, Karen, this is fascinating. <laughs> a long way from, from Washington, D.C. Right. From, from legal judging. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if people want to learn about you or your work, your book is called Living and Grieving. It's out. It's currently out now. It's, it's beautifully written. It's a memoir, but it's also sort of a self-help book intertwined in one. Um, but where can they find you and learn about your work if they want to work with you? Yeah, karenjohnson.net. Um, you'll find me and the services that I offer and classes and courses coming up and prayer ceremonies and things like that. So uh, a lot of times people, if you're struggling for the holidays, I have a free event coming up. We're going to prayer bundle and then we'll give it to the fire or to the earth in in remembrance and in love well karen thank you so much we didn't even really talk about like how involved you got in shamanic training and all of that so that seems like it could be another podcast another podcast. there we go <laughs> you have to have me back <laughs> i would love that well thank you so much for your time today and for sharing this other way of what seems really on target in terms of how we look at grief and grieving and that process for those who have been left behind. So thank you. You're welcome. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.